0: If you would, open up with me and your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. While you're opening up there to Ephesians 1, uh, by way of introduction for our sermon text this morning, which uh, you maybe have already gotten a whiff of as we were talking with the children about faith and uh, saw the confession of faith uh, regarding faith, right? Um, you'll see here uh, that, that that word, faith, is emphasized uh, in the two verses that we'll be taking up. And If I was praying about a way to introduce this this text, I, I couldn't help but think of a church planner's retreat that Rebecca, or a conference rather, that Rebecca and I uh, got to uh, uh, attend and be a part of uh, some weeks ago. Uh, there, uh, we were looking at Um, What it means to develop a culture, uh, just to be quite honest with you, that doesn't burn out church planters. If you're unaware, uh, pastors, especially those on the front lines in these kind of church planting scenarios, uh, just don't last long. Uh, They just... They fizzle, and uh, they could be doing mighty work. They could be doing not so mighty work, but the culture surrounding it, the the very structure of our denominations, and it's not just our uh, our smaller ARP denomination. This is in our larger uh, sister denominations as well. It transcends form of government. It's not a Presbyterian thing. It's also a Baptist thing. It it just is what it is. And and so as as these church planters and those who have a, a leadership hand in church planning those who have a desire to see these uh, uh, these men and women cared for well uh, we we were there and uh, one of the keynote speakers uh, was talking about what they do they their whole ministry uh, their their whole life vocation is to uh, help pastors that are burning out on the front lines in church planning. That's all he does. Is he talks to these church planners. And he said one of the things that he seeks to embody is surprising generosity. Of course, he had scripture for that. Uh, he opened up the scriptures and of course, I think the easiest place for us to see surprising generosity is the sending of God's own son, right? That is surprisingly generous when you think about it. And if you're confused, why don't I ask you to send your son for somebody else? To live, but your son would die. It's surprising generosity then, isn't it? Of course, that can bleed out into other things. He developed it all the way down, for instance, to a gallon of ice cream, right? somebody's really struggling a surprisingly generous thing to do is to leave a gallon of whatever their favorite ice cream is pistachio and say hey have a few calories on me right Uh, and and you can kind of develop this principle of of love and care out of it and and as I was thinking about what Paul is getting at here in verses 15 and 16 uh, the concept of that surprising generosity and of, and of of the good memory that it leaves well It's really very pointed. Our main point this morning is is really right along the lines of, of what that church planter, carer was about. Our main point is this. Christian faith, that is our faith, those that are confessing in the Lord Jesus. Christian faith, that is not pastor faith, or elder faith, or deacon faith, or teacher faith. Christian faith is marked by memorable love. We'll see that from the Word, but first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your Word. Make the reading of your Word powerful now. Pierce us and cleave the bone and marrow of our very souls. And let us be changed by you, refined. Allow dross to be removed and at the same time allow our gold to shine. Seeing the Lord Jesus more clearly represented in ourselves. God would you do this now in Jesus name. Amen. This is Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. For this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Uh, and and thanks be to God. This is a really special little moment for us, I think, here because uh, really what we get is as Paul is continuing in this very large doctrinal flow, right, where we've been getting hit uh, with the heavy hammer of the immensity of God. He, he pulls out another weapon, as it were, and this one's a little bit uh, uh, softer. It is this doxological hammer where all of a sudden he begins to open up what it might mean for us to be about the praise of His glory, to use some words from verses 12 and verse 14, for instance, if you notice. He was getting closer and closer to praise. You saw it in verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace. You see this praise is, is mixed in to this, um, uh, what I might call, heavier praise doctrine portion of this first chapter of Ephesians and there's much encouragement to be found there as we saw who God is and what that means for us and yet now as, as we almost have this foundation as it were and we'll get more by the way if you're familiar with Ephesians we pause for a moment and Paul says for this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Main point, remember is this Christian faith is marked with memorable love. We'll see this, I, I, I believe, and I hope uh, more easily if we break this into three parts uh, uh, two points out of verse 15, and then one point out of verse 16. The first is faith, the second is love. And then the third is thankful remembrance. Uh, That's not rocket science. You see it right there in the Word. Okay? Faith, love, and thankful remembrance. And so that first part of verse 15 is where we might see what I mean when I say Christian faith. For this reason. What reason? Because I have heard of your faith. Well, what faith? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a content to our faith. Uh, You know, I can have faith that my car is going to get me to church on Sunday morning. And, surprise, surprise, thankfully, my car got me here. That's good news. Because I didn't have to call one of y'all or Rebecca to come and get me. And then take me here, right? Uh, But that faith uh, is not the faith that we're talking about. That is a small, lowercase f faith. The faith that that we are talking about here is much grander. It is soul-saving It is given to us by God through His Holy Spirit. So, my word, that's Ephesians chapter 2, if you wanted to cheat and go over there real quick to see if what I say is true. Uh, God, God by the Holy Spirit, has given us this faith as a gift. And and this faith, uh, this gift, uh, comes with a whole lot of other things. Because within it, we begin to see not only a God who is absolutely Truth and justice oriented. That is, there's a fairness in his court that, that means that his yes will be yes and his no will be no. And the yes will be right and the no will be right. Every single time his judgments are just to the very end and from the very beginning. Which, depending on how much you know about yourself, could make you nervous. But... Within that gift, remember, a faith that has been given unto you in the Lord Jesus Christ comes a whole lot of other things. Because it comes with this built-in mercy. And this built-in grace. Because remember what grace is. It's an unmerited gift. You don't deserve it, but God gives it. So now it's in the mail. It's come to you and you open it up and you say, I didn't order this. But here it is and it has my name on it. And within it is the salvation of your very soul. And that salvation comes from the working of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't live a single day of our lives without sinning. Even if we think we didn't sin outwardly, in all likelihood, that's probably an outgrowing of our own pride where we have sinned inwardly because we haven't been thinking in humility about how we sinned outwardly. It can almost be discouraging, in fact, until we realize that Jesus didn't struggle that way where He knew in the bottom of His heart that He sinned. No! No! Jesus is perfect Jesus knew from the bottom of his heart of his own perfection and yet in his perfection wasn't pride it was humility because his whole life was meant for another's for yours and for mine and so he lives this life of perfection he unjustly is convicted and crucified he's killed unjustly the father gives the son for this reason that wrath might be poured out on him and in that moment y'all know this right? And I use the same words every time. So you can know. God takes our sin. Jesus takes that which, that which we have done. And Jesus gives that which He has done. It's the great exchange of righteousness and sin. And, and in that moment, uh, the costly reality of salvation is revealed. As, as all of our deserved punishment is put upon Jesus... And as, and as Jesus is, is giving us all of the things that He deserves, which is inheritance, which is a presence in the kingdom, which is a seat at the table, all of those things, uh, defeat over death, the victory that comes, all of these things are given unto us. It's the content of our faith. It's the reason why Paul says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. We have to have an eyesight we have to have uh, uh, that view from the spirit it's a God given thing where it's no longer lowercase f but, but capital capital F faith where, where we see what, what is happening as, as I spoke with the children where God himself and, and if this makes you uncomfortable so be it where God wraps around you and embraces you it's the God of the universe who's doing this this isn't, this isn't a touchy-feely, uh, uh, a mumbo-jumbo. Y'all know that I'm not very touchy-feely to begin with. But that doesn't mean that I don't hug my children tightly. And it doesn't mean that I don't confess that which the Word reveals. That God Himself hugs His people tightly. And will never let you go. You know that word shield? You know, you read it in the Psalms so often... Uh, uh, sometimes we dangerously think about this shield like a crest, like the ARP's crest. I could put this on a shield and I could look like some kind of cool knight or something. You know, let me get my sword and my shield. Uh, That's not necessarily the reality of what David means when he says that the Lord is his shield. I think that that's the illustration for sure. David is a warrior. He's familiar with shields. The concept is very human. It would be like if a hail was raining down and I, uh, so my son or my daughter, uh, wouldn't get pelted by hail, stood over him and shielded him. A shield. That's different, isn't it? Than something metal and dead. Our God is not metal or wood or stone. Our God is living and active. He is alive and he is shielding his people. That's that's the faith that we see here. It's for this reason that Paul is giving thanks. Because of this faith that he has heard of. Let's continue in verse 15, though, because not only has Paul heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, you also notice the second part. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and, and what he's saying is, because I have heard of your faith, and also because I have heard of your love. There are two things here, right? It, that's how sentences are flowing, and, and just because he doesn't have the, and because I have heard of, uh, doesn't mean that that's not the point. It, it's because he's heard of the faith, and, and he's also heard of the love. These things go together. 1 Corinthians 13, for instance. Do you remember what goes together? Faith, and hope, and love. There is a togetherness in this. And so Paul is is honing in on faith and and on love. And and what we see in the second part uh, is something very unique. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. This is not a love like, for instance, I love just to keep it going and just to make it as awkward as possible. I love that my car turned on this morning and got me to church, right? Uh, That is a use of love and We do it all the time, right? Oh, you want to get Chinese tonight? Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. You know, you want a burger? I love burgers. You know, and there's a love there, and in a sense, it's true, right? I mean, you get it, right? It's a, it's just a use of the word, but but this is this is a different use. This is not uh, what we might think of as me saying, well, yeah, I, you know, I love the Saints here. I do. But this is something more. The, this love that we're thinking about has a deeper, a deeper reality within the Scriptures, especially within the Christian context, especially so near the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This love is sacrificial and intentional. Let's start with intentional. Because uh, uh, I've said this before, but we don't, we don't fall in love that's a trick of the world to sell stuff. Uh, we, we choose what to love. And actually those in power at advertising agencies and things like that know that. And they still like to cater to the fall in love thing because they know that that's what you'll choose. If you don't know that you're choosing. Because it sounds so sweet. It caters to the emotion. Uh, if you have an advertising friend, ask them. If you don't, Rebecca and I have an advertising friend who has worked for large companies and she would be more than happy to let you know. Anonymously, of course, so she can maintain her job. Uh, but you know, they, they play to that, right? Any emotion. Uh, well, you know, the tear-jerkers. I always call my mom when I see a tear-jerking commercial and I say, have you seen that commercial? And she says, yes. I say, did you cry? Yes, you know, uh, they're all you know the tear jerking commercial. I'm like, oh, mom saw that, and she cried, I'm certain of it, let me call it you know, it's just you just know right and and so does everybody else, but But what we have here is something beyond that because because we transcend in wisdom and discernment uh, this silly game that we're playing with advertising and money and commodities and business and all of the stuff that gets in our way. And what we do is we step out of that material and we get into the spiritual and we begin to, with intentionality, choose that which we're going to do. We choose to go to church or not. We choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ We're not. We choose to know who our God is or not. We choose, we choose, we choose. And what we choose is what we love. And in this case, the love is sacrificial. Uh, that's why you got to be careful with uh, friendships that are one way. Uh, that's why you have to be careful, for instance, with marrying uh, in First Corinthians seven, uh, the yoked, uh, the yoked relationship. You know that, that can sometimes feel offensive, right? You know, what a believer, a non-believer. You know what? what do you, what's the big deal? Uh, it's not like. Um, a comet's going to come from the sky and explode in a crater of the church if something like that were to happen. Paul is thinking very personally. The reality is is that a believer and a non-believer getting married, the one who doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus and the, the concept of sacrificial and choosing love will, by necessity, whether they mean to or not, take advantage of the one who is choosing to sacrifice daily because of the vow they made unto God. That's why. It's not rocket science. It makes so much sense. Paul doesn't want something to implode. He doesn't want people to be crushed under the weight of being taken advantage of. And that's what we see here with this love toward all the saints. Is that There's an intentional and sacrificial move where we choose our people, our church family, over the world. Where they have done the same in Ephesus and perhaps these other churches, because this letter was probably read in other places. There is a faith in the Lord Jesus that has grounded and founded them, and accompanying this faith is this outward fruit of intentional and sacrificial love that bears out within the church body, which makes a church body different than the Kiwanis Club. Right? Or it should. And if it doesn't, you're not a church. If you don't have the foundation of the Lord Jesus, if you don't have the love that is marked by the Lord Jesus, you are not a fellowship. No matter what your 501c3 status is, no matter what denomination you're in, no matter what, That is the foundation of the ecclesia that the Lord Jesus spoke of and speaks of through His Word. That's the love that we seek to embody. And that's our power to the world. Because, newsflash, if you haven't felt it yet, you will. I'm sure this church and others like it in our denomination. And others, sister churches in other denominations, they are different than that Kiwanis Club, right? And it's marked and when you, when you are embraced with, with this little hug that feels a whole lot like a spiritual God hug, it's different. And the connection is, is otherworldly. And all the other stuff falls away. And there's a moment where you see that this is, that this is more. And that this is lasting. And that this is, this is tangible spirituality. A faith and love that slap together and go together. Revealing a movement that is Christ revealing. But that's verse 15. We have verse 16 as well before we applaud. Because not only do we see Paul saying that, that he has heard of this faith, that he has heard of this love, uh, and, and as these things are coalescing and revealing the appropriate and healthy movement forward of the church and revealing the Lord Jesus and his work on their behalf, he is now, thankfully, remembering them. Verse 16, I do not cease. Remember, verse 15, for this reason we could take out uh, uh, the because is just for our brains. Verse 15, for this reason, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The reason is the faith and the love, but, but we see what it is, right? He, he's giving thankful remembrance in his prayers. There is an attitude here, and there is a flavor. As Paul is hearing about the goodness of the church in Ephesus, perhaps from the leaders, perhaps from members who are traveling his way, he is thankfully remembering them. His his attitude, his dial, as it were, is set on positive and not on negative. And humanly speaking... Our dials are typically set on negative and not on positive. Our charity level is more like uncharitable. Our assumptions get us into problems. And and instead of thinking in our minds that this fellowship is one following after the Lord Jesus, we fall into the worldly thought that people are are inherently and necessarily out to get us. And thankful remembrance and the attitude of, of that is warped by our own sin nature. And it's a flavor. Because Paul sometimes uses, he he uses sense language. Uh, He uses the heart eyes, right? The eyes of your heart. Uh, He says that uh, that Christians smell good to the Lord and non-Christians don't smell good. He's riffing off of the sacrificial system. But you know, you're thinking like, you know, like you know, how am I smelling? You know, it's like what do we got here? You know, it's like, you know, he plays on the senses, right? And 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 what we get here is a is a flavor. He's he's revealing a a thankful remembrance for the right things. It's not money that he's thankful for, though. These churches are certainly financially supporting him. Uh, it's not. Partnership, that is, uh, you know, Timothy's there, uh, you know, they're not sending Epaphroditus, you know, though they do partner with him with bodies, right? Uh, there's this active movement of people going to these different places uh, and, and doing this ministry thing together. Uh, it's, it's not uh, a kind of uh, materially drawn. What he's giving thanks for, the, the, the attitude and the flavor is spawning off of the base level reality of why churches exist. Which is uh, the Lord doing a work and revealing a body of of the Lord Jesus Christ in a place. It's the faith and it's the love that he is giving thanks for. And nothing else right here. Faith and love. It's wise for us to heed Paul's actions and content. Uh, but let's think about that action and content let's think about application very quickly before we close Uh, the first uh, riffs off of that first part in faith has anyone heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Paul's giving thanks in remembrance uh, for a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, does anyone outside of our church know that you're a Christian if you think I'm crazy I'm not it's just a different world out there uh, politics is talked about a whole lot nowadays, but not faith and not money. Does anybody know that you're a Christian? How, how does that bear out? What does that even look like? What, what does a revelation of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ mean for the school students, for the college students, for uh, someone in the workforce? Uh, there's a man who since died by the name of Eugene Peterson uh, he is sometimes frowned upon in the reformed community because of his famous uh, um, uh, uh, working called the methods. you know the Method it's not a translation uh, what, what's the word I'm trying to think of Where, where's, it's not a translation it's a what'd you say? yeah so he, he kind of does a weird thing like uh, he, he's not he never professed it to be word for word like the ESV where you know I can open up the manuscripts of the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, which by the way if you're wondering about that, you can come to my office. I can show you these things. And and I can show you from what towns? From, from, uh, from Byzantine all the way over to Constantinople down in the south, up in the north and where they were preserved and for how long and who touched them. We have these things that the Spirit allowed all the way back to when the apostles wrote them. And we have that Jewish tradition that preserved in the leadership What we have here from Moses and from David, from Ezra and from all of the prophets that has been preserved for us by the Holy Spirit through very ordinary means. It's not scary. Dare I say it? It's almost scientific. That's not what he tried to do. Uh, he tried to, he tried to uh, uh, reveal the, the intent, the meaning of the word, and, and it really frustrated people who thought he was trying to translate the word. And, and so because of that, a lot of his other works were lost to our little community of Reformed faith, who hold fast to the word of God. It was, a, I think, an okay move, but... But he has a little work where he talks about subversive Christianity, uh, like a secret agent. And he said, you know, how we reveal our faith in Jesus is not always like, hey, do you know I'm a pastor? I believe in the Bible, and I want to tell you about Jesus Christ today. You know, and this very formal moment of spoken evangelism, right, which is a way to do it. And I think one we need to be well ready for and prepared for. But, but no, uh, there's this concept, there's this reality in our lives of, of subversive Christianity where we are living, uh, if, if we are minding our P's and Q's, we are living our lives with a focus on God to the point that it wouldn't be uncommon or weird for me to say that surely we are at least thinking about God every hour of every day. That would be the first step if that is shocking to you. And the second step, as we are thinking about the Lord and what opportunities He's presenting to us in any given moment, is is to begin to, uh, with Jesus' words, a wisdom like a serpent and an innocence like a dove, begin to subversively reveal the Lord and His glory in, dare I say it, very mundane ways. You know, uh, our neighbor and our friends uh, they, they call Rebecca and I not because I'm a Christian pastor they call us because they're our friends <laughs> uh, we love them like Jesus loves them but they don't necessarily know that all the time but we do and we seize every moment to share the gospel if they are not believing has anyone heard of your faith? in the Lord Jesus. Second application coming from the second point of love. What does your love look like and what's missing? Uh, I, I, used to, I used to bash on the book. I don't even know what it's called. The love language book. Whatever the love language book is, right? Because I had a critique, and I said, "No, it's not that simple, you know. It's not that simple, but there is a truth there, uh, you know. Uh, uh, certain people like service. Certain people like uh, acts of kindness, you know, gestures. All of these different things, right? Hopefully, most of y'all are familiar with these love languages, you know. That's why it's pretty common. People use them still, etc., etc. You know, it's, it's used. But what what we need to begin to think about is how we are extending love, and then what's missing in it, right? Uh, because some people, for instance, are really good at the tangible things, but they miss out on that spoken part, right? Where you, you might give all of yourself. And if you never mentioned that you were doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, who cares? You did nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened you know Jeremiah's not going to save you if I gave you my whole wardrobe it just doesn't work that way even if they think Jeremiah's a great God that might even be worse right and so some might be maybe missing that part others might be very good at speaking the Lord Jesus right Uh, oh that sounds like something you need to think about from the scriptures you know boom and then you open it up and you think whoa I just got the theology class but something else is missing right that love part, that sacrificial intentionality part, that presence part maybe. Uh, maybe you're just not as present. Maybe, maybe, maybe right? It's, it's uh, for you as you look at this word and you think about Paul giving thanks. He's, he's thankfully remembering uh, these Ephesian Christians for faith and for love. What, what does your love look like? Because if you're confessing in the Lord Jesus, you do have love for others. And what is missing then in it? And how can you strengthen and grow in it? I can't assess that for everybody right now. If you want to talk to me, I'd love to one-on-one it. That's great stuff. Elders would too. I know a lot of elders who love having these conversations. Judy. Judy likes having these conversations too. Yeah? I know she'd be willing to talk to anybody about that. Thirdly then, application-wise... Thinking not only of faith and love, but now of that thankful remembrance. How is your thankfulness lately? How is your thankfulness lately? Are you a thankful person? Maybe, let me, let me flip the script. Are you charitable or are you uncharitable? Do you give the benefit of the doubt? Or do you doubt, first, others? Others? In their actions. Within the bounds of the church, we confess the Lord Jesus Christ and we seek to move forward to his glory. In fact, our whole desire is a move in righteousness. And therefore, especially within the bounds of the church, we should be ones who are most charitable to our brothers and sisters. But do you have charity in your heart? Or do you have uncharity? Do you have sinful assumptions that lead to rumor and friction and frustration and malice and anger and intrigue? All the things that turn our eyes away from the Lord Jesus. How's your thankfulness lately? How's your charity? To conclude, and before, before we feel too bad, right? Because it's easy to do. And that's how I stopped this. I thought, there's no way I can end on that. It's too much of a downer. That got me thinking. You know, the world plays this trick on us. Our sinful nature plays this trick on us. Satan plays this trick on us. We forget what should be memorable and we remember that which should be forgotten. Right? Think about just in the last month. What do you remember? And what don't you remember? The last year. The last ten years. I guarantee you, if I asked that of you and we were being serious, many of you would remember uh, sad things. Terrible things that happened. Surgeries or the loss of a loved one, tragedy, uh, things that changed your life, or ill, or, or uh, and then maybe you'll try to kind of transition out of it and say, but the Lord is good and we're kind of in a good place. But, you know, generally speaking, because of the pain, we find ourselves remembering that which should not necessarily be forgotten. I think y'all get what I mean. We, we bring to the forefront that which shouldn't be primary. And then all of the good, all of the faith, all of the love, all of the thankfulness, all of the grace and the mercy, all of the sacrifice and the intentionality, even all of the weakness and the sharing and the connectedness, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the family of faith, all of these things aren't really easily as remembered, are they? And yet, if I bring it up right now like this, you say, you know, but you're right, I remember that. You know, I remember that. My, I mean, I remember that. But is it primary? And, and as I thought more of that, and I thought, I don't want this to be a downer, let it be a call to arms. Let it be a real life changer. Uh, I was talking with one of our uh, students. Uh, she, in order to remember stuff, writes stuff on her hand. Write it on your hand. Our forefathers did that. The Hebrews of old, they put it on their hair. They wrote it on their doorposts. Do the same thing. Put it in your car. Put it on your fridge. Let's put a sign out on the door. Deacons, elders, you heard me. Let's, let's don't let the college uh, campuses do it where the football guys run out and touch something. Why don't we touch, remember this is our family. Remember, this is our extension of the gospel. Because as we do it here, others will want to be a part of the family. That's what draws people in. is the, is the outstanding and unexpected, gracious love that is given here, in this place. It's a revelation of the Lord Jesus in faith and in love. Giving thankful remembrance not only to God's people, but those that are without, who are coming in to be a part of the family. Which is why we rejoice when another sheep comes home. Which is why Jesus leaves the ninety and 99 and goes for the one who is lost. Which is why He tells us to go about preaching and teaching in His name. That's what it is. And so let it be a call to arms. Let us remember, thankfully, the faith and the love of a place that confesses the Lord Jesus. And let that be our standing foundational power to move in this place rather than money or prestige or whatever it is that we might try in a moment of weakness. Let it be a call to arms. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But it takes the Spirit changing your heart. I can't do it. You're the one who has to... If I might say it like the scriptures, write it on your frontlets and put it on your doorposts that you might remember the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your love to us, and for our capability now given by you to be faithful and to love And to thankfully remember you. And to thankfully remember our church family. And to thankfully remember how it is that you are preserving and protecting and providing. And moving and allowing us to grow. And all of these things that many more might come to faith. God, do it in us. Please. Please. In Jesus' name. Amen.